I'm Lizanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who works with all earthlings to reunite them within themselves and with each other, regardless of the dimension they're currently in. Meaning, I'm a medium as well as an animal communicator, medical intuitive, and channel for all beings. I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support animals and humans as they heal from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animals I View podcast. Before we get started on today's topic, I want to make a statement about seasons and the seasons of this particular podcast. There is a fabulous community page on Facebook for those of us who have Buzzsprout as our podcast provider. It's wonderful, fabulous people, fabulous insights, great conversation, etc. And lately, there has been some chatter about seasons. And people thinking in terms of seasons on TV, Netflix, when, you know, a new Netflix series is going to drop, etc., etc. And what I found funny about that for me is that I actually was thinking of seasons in terms of actual seasons. And up until this point, I had been making my seasons to correspond with the actual seasons. And more specifically, my seasons are when we have the summer and winter solstices and when we have the spring and fall equinoxes. That's how I was thinking of seasons. And to be honest with you, that feels best to me. So that's how I'm going to continue going. And right now, you may be noticing that we're in season four, and because we just had the fall equinox on the 22nd, just a day or two ago, normally I would be switching into another new season. But as far as the equinoxes and the solstices goes, and maybe this is getting a bit into the weeds for <laughs> anybody except, except me, Typically, the winter solstice, although it comes in roughly the 21st, 22nd of December, for a lot of humans, we think, oh, we're still in the middle of winter, at least for those of us up here in the Northern Hemisphere. In the Southern Hemisphere, of course, it's exactly reversed. But actually, the solstice is when the days after we reach the solstice is when the days start to get longer. That's when we actually have the longest night on the night before of the winter solstice. And then the day after is when we start getting more light. And it's interesting because when I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about how animals most definitely pay attention to the seasons. They understand the flow of nature. They understand what particular species they are, what particular part of the planet they happen to be anchored onto and geographically supported by. And I don't think they necessarily think about seasons, of course, as far as television shows go, that it just seems to be more natural to them to think, 
winter, spring, summer, and fall. And that's the direction I'm going to go since I work for them. And so what I'm going to do in the next podcast and probably through the rest of this month, October, November, and even into December, you might see some crazy numbers like season four, episode 53. It won't get that bad, but you get the drift. So that when the solstice hits in the third week of December or so, I probably will be starting a new season. And probably at the end of this season, I think which isn't going to happen until December, I'm probably going to take maybe a week or two off. But I'll let you all know the closer we get to that. And we can kind of go from there. So that's enough about seasons. Just wanted to put that out there for you all. I know that some of us think our animal companions are funny. We laugh at the things that they do. We chortle and chuckle and guffaw and smile and laugh maybe until we're rolling on the floor with laughter at some of their reactions to the things that we do, other animals, all those sorts of things. I I think we're all pretty much on board with animals. Being able to find joy and do things and be in certain ways that we think are funny. And I think that's part of their charm. I think that's part of their magic because they live so in the moment that they are ones pretty much any day of the week, any moment of any day of any said week, they're down for having a good time. They think nothing about, oh yeah, oh my God, you you want me to play with this toy? Yes, this is a new toy. I'm delighting in this new toy. This new toy is my most favorite precious ever. And we just think that's charming. And I think that's, as I said, part of their magic and a reminder to all the rest of us is to locate our funny bone and our sense of humor and exercise that as much as we possibly can. And I know that I've experienced this really interesting thing about animals externally, but also kind of internally and inside an animal communication session. I can't tell you the number of times that I have shared something that an animal companion you know, might be thinking about their guardian, about their home, about any other animals that they happen to share their home with. And it is incredibly funny. It's usually quite insightful. And their sense of humor, like their directness in dealing not only with us as well as each other, is quite sharp. (laughs) And sometimes I add the caveat before I head into an animal communication session, especially if it's somebody that I haven't necessarily worked with at length before, is that I try to remember, I'm not always successful in saying, so your intention in wanting to communicate with your animal companion kind of throws open a door or a window so that I start getting information before the session, number one, but number two It's almost like you're going to be in an arena where there's the eye of Sauron and that they will see what's going on in your love life. They're going to see what's going on in your work life. They're going to see what's going on in the shared energy environment that you have with them. They're going to know what happened to you when you were five and maybe 10 and then again at 15. They're 
perhaps going to want to share information with you about where they see your current relationship going with your current partner if you happen to be in one. In other words, nothing, nothing hides from them. And they will also not hesitate, like a good comedian, (laughs) to bring up bits of information in a quite pithy and quite usually quite dry sense of humor, because as humans know, and I think as animals know, humor has always been used as a way to make a point and hopefully not at the expense of another, you know, to kind of tease maybe your best friend or your partner about this habit they have that absolutely makes you insane But if you can tease about it, hopefully in a good way, if they are receptive to that teasing, it diffuses everything, right? Humor really is one of those things, I think, that makes the world go round. And most definitely for animals, when they share things with me at times, as my clients will tell you, I often say, let's see, how am I going to put this? Sometimes it's me looking for a way to put into human verbal language a telepathic download of information that I will have received from the animal. But other times I am desperately trying to find a way to soften the directness and maybe maybe I shouldn't try so hard in some situations, to be honest with you, that directness sometimes cuts like a knife, but it definitely gets the job done. But I'm sometimes looking for a way to kind of soften it and kind of put it in a way that if I'm dealing with an individual that, say, for instance, I know might be sensitive about their love life, I'm going to probably want to try and find a way to soften up that information a little bit. but make no bones about it. It is usually quite direct, quite to the point. Some of my favorite comedians, I don't know about yours, but they are able to address issues of definitely some depth and definitely some impact that maybe you would think, oh my God, we can't possibly make fun of that. But Their humor and the way they treat it has a way of not necessarily normalizing it, but making it okay to continue to have a conversation about it. And I think that's the bottom line pretty much with animals everywhere, is they want to be able to communicate with us. They want to be able to share, and I'm referencing the previous podcast where we talked about telepathic communion, they want to be able to share their perspective, the really wise, really witty, really magical way that they see the world around them because that's the place where they're living and they would really like nothing more than for all of us to kind of step into that world with them. Not surprisingly, humans have debated whether animals have a sense of humor, which I find kind of odd, 
But that's just me. You know, I talk to animals and occasionally human beings who are not in the state of the living. And so it always strikes me as curious and interesting about how science can kind of get into its little structure box and say, yep, nope, if it doesn't fit these particular parameters, then it doesn't exist. Science will also go to the place of, at least here in the U.S., we have yet to make a declaration, a law, a something that says, yes, animals are sentient beings. The European Union first recognized animal sentience way back in 1997 in the Treaty of Amsterdam. New Zealand has recognized animals as sentient beings, as has Quebec. And the interesting thing about how we see animals, at least here in the U.S., is that we still see them as property. And I do understand there is a difference between In some circles, for instance, if I were to be talking to a group of farmers, they would think animals, well, yeah, they are my property. They are my livelihood. Those cows, those goats, those sheep, those chickens, those animals belong to me. And so, yes, they are, in fact, my property. I would like to think that at some point we can get to the place of understanding that we can facilitate a cooperative relationship with animals and still recognize their sentience. And again, it's funny, science just kind of tiptoes, tiptoes, tiptoes up to this very little precipice and this place of, well, yeah, we know that they grieve. Well, yeah, now definitely we are going to say, yes, they they do have a sense of humor. Humor being defined as a difference between what is expected and reality. And then that kind of disconnect being um, irony, a pun, etc. Right? That, that most humans, we would, we would say that, yes, that's probably humor. But we won't step over the line in saying... Animals are no different than we are. They grieve. They have a wicked sense of humor that I would absolutely love for every single human being on the planet to share just once one five-minute, maybe even less than that, a minute conversation with their animal companion the same way that I do. When I bring up something like, so, well, you know, what's your, what are your thoughts about Tim's new partner that he seems to be really over the moon about. How are we feeling about this new partner? And I will get the most definitely unvarnished version of how they're thinking about Tim's new partner. And it could range anywhere from, yeah, I'm going to tolerate this individual because of Tim to this has a lot of potential to, I don't think I'm ready to make friends yet because this individual hasn't really honored the relationship that I have with Tim. Just like in any family dynamic, there are really distinct nuances based on personality, temperament, relationship history, all of the things that humans sometimes struggle with. Animals have a way of just again, slicing right through it in an incredibly direct way. And at the same time, 
and I do think I do think their sense of humor. I do think their sense of humor saves them and us. Again, it kind of turns down the heat on the information that they really want their guardian to have. And at the same time, I have never, ever had an animal come back to me with, well, you know, they always do this. And so I really hate it when they always do this. It's never, ever with an attitude. It is simply, okay, you ask the question, here's the answer. Do I like this individual? You've asked me this question. Do I like this individual? No, I'm not crazy about the way this individual treats you. I think you could do better. And of course, on the human side of the equation, we are hoping against hope that our animal companions are just head over heels in love with our brand new partner that we happen to just started dating a little bit ago, just like we are. And the point is that not to get them to agree with us. The point is they offer this information in neutrality and hopefully out of an intention for you gaining clarity, you their guardian, as well as providing clarity for them. And you can refer to the previous podcast just last week where I talked about, hey, if you're going to be going somewhere, if you're going to be bringing a new partner home, any of these life changes that happen to be significant, please talk to them about it. I think you'll find that, number one, they don't take things nearly as seriously, at least most things I think that humans take seriously. And if you're okay with what's going on, they're going to be okay with what's going on. And especially now in what feels to be a pretty dark time in the human experience, I think that they would probably say, you know what, a good sense of humor will save you pretty much every single time, but it has to be a choice that you reach for that sense of humor to bring a little bit of light into what would otherwise appear to be a pretty dark situation. At least that's how the animals see it. Thanks for listening today. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Reach out if you think I can be of service via www.lazanflynn.com. Come and find me on social media, Facebook, Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. This has been the Animals Eye View podcast. I'll see you next time. Thank you.